It's time for the Rose Chat Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the world's most beloved flower, the rose. Join award-winning gardeners Chris Van Cleef and Teresa Byington as they chat with rose lovers and experts from around the globe. With each episode, you'll gain valuable knowledge and insights to achieve the rose garden you've always dreamed of. Listen now as we explore the world of roses. Hey friends, on today's episode, my guest is Diane Summers. Diane is the president of the American Rose Society. And this has been an exciting season for the American Rose Society, so there's much for us to chat about. Hey, Diane, welcome to Rose Chat. Oh, thank you so much, Teresa. There's nothing better about than spending a few hours or days <laughs> or minutes talking about roses, and we can go on and on and on about all the great things that are happening in our world and in our gardens. Absolutely. Now, um, from where I stand, it looks like you've been very busy, and I know you're coming up on your second year anniversary as president, right? That's correct. <laughs> uh, and it has been busy, has it not? Well, you know, it truly has been quite the experience, and, uh, you know, I've learned a lot. I've met a lot of great people along the way. Um, I've enjoyed the time uh, really quite a bit, and I really look forward to you know, determining what else we can possibly accomplish in my last year as president. And I've been told from a lot of people that when you're president, boy, you're just so busy. You really just don't have a lot of time to implement new things. And uh, when we look at our track record, we've just been able to move forward on many, many different fronts. And most of those really focused and centered on member benefits and educational opportunities and uh, starting to use more of our digital um, opportunities to really move forward. So I'm, I'm really happy with where we are. I always would want us to be further along, uh, but we have another year, so uh, more to come, you know. And it's all so very exciting, and I can't wait to chat about it today. But before we go into all that great new stuff, could you go back and give our listeners who may not be familiar with the American Rose Society just a bit of its history? Oh, of course. The American Rose Society, uh, we're really celebrating our 131st year as a nonprofit organization supporting roses. And there aren't many organizations today, uh, profit or nonprofit, that can really uh, declare that quite that accomplishment. So we're really thrilled about it. Uh, the world, of course, of roses continues to change and evolve, and the American Rose Society does as well. Uh, next year, we're actually celebrating our 50th anniversary in our uh, Shreveport, Louisiana headquarters and our gardens there. And of course, last year, we finished a $2 million garden renovation project, which has uh, really been uh, welcomed by the members. And many members were at a national convention there this past May to, to uh, enjoy it and experience it for the very first time. It is a beautiful, beautiful tribute to roses. Um, we'll, we can talk more about that later, but it absolutely, uh, having to get to go there um, in this year, I was just, I was just stunned. I see a lot of beautiful rose gardens and wherever I go, but I'm telling you, we've got something to really be, a pr to be proud of with America's rose garden for sure. Now you mentioned a little bit about benefits. So let's talk about those benefits that uh, people get as a part of being a member of the American Rose Society. Uh, certainly, you know, our most tangible benefit has always been the American Rose, which is our bi-monthly magazine that covers many different aspects of growing roses, exhibiting roses, the history of roses, roses around the world, and many other topics. Um, but the American Rose Society is much more than a magazine subscription. And so that is a theme that I have really embraced and, and really shared with people, with our members, et cetera, and, and working to really develop more benefits for our members. One, one benefit is the reciprocal garden program where our members have the opportunity to go into 350 botanical gardens across the United States and get discounted rates or free entrance because they're a member of the American Rose Society. And in fact, this spring, I was in the Grand Cayman Islands for a wonderful winter break mm -hmm. and their garden is on the reciprocal garden program. So how cool is that? Even when I went 
over to the Cayman Islands, I was able to have free entry into their botanical gardens. You know, oh, the cost. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. The cost for garden keeps going up and truly a benefit for us is that you can enjoy these gardens either in your home area or if you're on vacation without the cost of an entry fee. Um, you know, the other thing I would say that our members have is ex- opportunities for discounts on roses and other products through our provide par- uh, our special partners. And uh, we're just thrilled with those partnerships. They give benefits up 10 to 20% on roses, for example. Um, and we all could use another rose bush in our garden, couldn't we? <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> And then, of course, we're trying to really focus right now in expanding our educational opportunities for our members. And we do that in many ways, growing from just a magazine, but being able to put on webinars. We've been doing that now almost monthly for this uh, 2023. We also have uh, information uh, for our Consulting Rosarians online and Consulting Rosarian schools where people become, if you will, um, they uh, become experts and, ab- and able to share their knowledge with other people about growing roses. And we have over 900 consulting rosarians in the American Rose Society. We want to make sure that they continue to learn the new things that are going on in roses and are well-equipped to answer rose questions in their communities. Uh, we have judging schools online. First thing ever this year was having judging uh, an arrangement judging school online where people can uh, take um, learn the take the classroom, if you will, and then they'll go and have a practical exam where they're judging arrangements in the in a community in um, most likely a district rose event, if you will. So there's those are other types of programs that we're doing. And we've dipped our toe a little bit into videos. Um, there's a lot to learn there as you're looking to do professional videos, but uh, we're working on it. And so we hope that we can do more of that in the future as well. But those opportunities are available to our members and in many cases, some cases to non-members. And they only exist when we have you know, a great membership who's willing to support the American Rose Society and all of the initiatives that the ARS is able to provide uh, to the communities uh, that we're all in today. Absolutely. And all of those are wonderful benefits. I think the education opportunities that we've had the last few years have just been over the top. I've participated in most of them, all that I possibly could. And the quality of the information, and it's up to the minute. And as we know, things are changing and growing in our world today. <clears throat> and, um, the information that we have had uh, opportunity to learn has just been fantastic. And it's just in a very easy user friendly way, you know, signing on and all of those things, you know, it's very, they've made it very easy. I get reminders. It's time for a webinar, you know? So once I sign up, I mean, it's just great, but you know, even with all the great benefits that we have, I have to say my greatest benefit is having the opportunity to meet so many people from all walks of life in all parts of our country that share your love of roses. You know, not everyone we meet is as crazy about roses as we are, but in the American Rose Society, you're going to find plenty of them. (laughs) And you're right. uh, For many people, it's that friendship and the camaraderie that comes with the membership in the American Rose Society, because you find people that are just like you, right? That enjoy gardening, that enjoy roses. You start to, you know, uh, export that into your other hobbies. I've just recently joined the Ikebana Society. Um, I do like doing flower arrangements, and I want to learn more about these types of flower arrangements. I think I'll be a better judge if I do. Um, But they're just thrilled because in all of our little practice sessions, of course, I'm bringing my roses um, (laughs) to do designs with. And they're like, oh, my goodness, you know, and I'm learning how to do designs with other flowers and plant material as well. But, you know, the 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 rose is is a perennial. You can consider it. It's a perennial and it's one that blooms all summer for all of us. And not all perennials um, do that. So, again, a great addition to the garden. Uh, we have local rose societies. We have about 200 local rose societies across the country. Those local rose societies have meetings. They have programs and speakers. They have rose shows. 
Um, so there's another way for you to be involved with roses and, and to enjoy the rose in whichever way that you like. And uh, honestly, m- many of my dear friends today are because of my rose hobby. And I really think of it as a hobby more than, you know, a plant in my garden. And uh, so it holds a very special place for me. The local rose society does for me too. We have a large, vibrant society here in the Indianapolis area. And when I joined, I had been growing roses for years and knew a lot. But not only did I make incredible friendships that will be lifelong friends, I learned so much from other society members. And, you know, that whole shared experience, there's just nothing like it. You know, like problems that are going on in your garden or identifying things that others have had in the past. And there's there were several when I joined that had been growing many more years than I had. And honestly, what I learned from them was just amazing to me. You know, you kind of feel like, well, I've got roses and I've had roses for years and I know this and that. But there is much to learn and much to enjoy just by the new people and and your mentorships. And there's just so much about this smaller group that I just, it's been invaluable to me for sure. And the activities that you can participate in. Mm -hmm. And we find that today people in general enjoy activities quite a bit. And they think of those experiences that are going to have an impact on them and they're going to enjoy for a long period of time. And if you think about not only the meetings, if you will, that's kind of like a term we don't use too much these days, but the gatherings that we have mm-hmm. and it could be in a park or it could be in somebody else's garden, the rose shows, um, truly an opportunity to show off your roses. I've seen your roses uh, <laughs> in the rose shows. I remember I was in Indianapolis <laughs> a year ago and um, and your, I think you did a great, a great arrangement um, at that rose show as well. Those are all things we just learn over time because, you know, we're around uh, these other individuals that have learned so much, too. And again, uh, none of that would have happened if there wasn't a structure in place. And that yeah. structure is the American Rose Society that has now been there for 131 years. Oh, we're grateful. We're very grateful. Now, we've talked about uh, the local but we're going to talk about something brand new, the digital initiative. I'm loving this. So tell our listeners about this new initiative. Oh, absolutely. You know, it kind of got kicked off with, um, with the, when the pandemic started, right? And we couldn't, we didn't have the opportunity to really meet in person anymore. And so we had to move forward and fully embrace how to reach people without having uh, those in-person experiences. And it started slow, but we've been able to leverage our technology for the webinars as, as we've discussed. But the point is, is how can we export that and do even more with that? Um, today, what we've been able to do is to digitize our bi-monthly magazine, The American Rose. That makes sure that it's available to all of our members, not only today, but let's say you are a new member and you join next week. Well, you will have access to the past magazines as well. So you have a brand new digital library that's going to contain the magazines going forward. And we're starting to work backwards on adding the annuals and then adding more of the magazines into that digital library. Now we've taken it a step further to say what other information might people like. And so, for example, we have the whole book of how. Harold Walters, Howard Walters writings that for many years um, as a former president, he was writing about care of roses. It's now available to all of our members online. We have um, publications regarding disease, uh, nutrient deficiencies that are now on the members bookshelf that become a ready resource of material that, that we know is the best that you can find. It's accurate. You know, not everything that you find on the internet might be accurate, right? But, um, but this information truly is. Uh, we've added Horizon Roses, which is an opportunity to read what other people are saying about the newest roses that are being introduced, and in particular, their uh, exhibition quality. So, Many of us don't maybe exhibit roses, but I will tell you that anybody who exhibits roses 
is pretty darn picky about the roses in their garden. They want something hardy that's going to come back year after year. They certainly don't want to have something that has a disease on it. They want something that's flowering quite a bit, right? Repeat blooms mm-hmm. so that they can have it for competition. Those are all the qualities that all of us are looking for in roses. And uh, in this publication, we find that it also identifies the um, the individuals that are that are uh, evaluating these roses by where they live. So again, you know, roses grow differently in different parts of the United States. And so therefore you can find in this book, as well as through our Consulting Rose Program, through um, our local rose societies, people in your community that grow the roses that you want to grow. So that bookshelf is growing quite a bit um, and consists of um, obviously publications that we have the copyright to at the American Rose uh, Center. Um, and we'll continue to expand upon that. This last month, we put in a new book. Um, it's new on the bookshelf, but Sean McCann, years ago, wrote a book about the mini flora roses when they were first introduced in the early 2000s. And so that's very cool. I, you know, I, have, I have a copy of that book autographed by him. But now mm-hmm. that book will live forever on our bookshelf, and our members can read it. You cannot download those. Um, we keep them on the bookshelf, but you can research them and read them at any time. You can, you know, you can uh, search them for keywords. Uh, It's just like an incredible resource that we continue to look to build uh, to provide more educational opportunities for our members. One of the things I've noticed as I've looked at the magazine on um, my iPad is it's just so vibrant and I can't spill coffee on it and run the pages. (laughs) You know, and sometimes my magazines get put in a place where they stay very pretty. And sometimes they get put in the place where they get all wrinkled and I left it in the car and now it's a mess. And (laughs) so, you know, so anyway, I have really appreciated that and seeing the books on the shelf and just knowing that more is coming. It is it is um, something that I think um, you guys not only embraced quickly, but did very well. And um, so appreciative of all the work that I'm sure that that was in getting that together. But what a benefit that is to all of us. And I surely appreciate it. And I know others do, too. I'm glad that you enjoy it. You know, the other thing is that you can get your magazine a lot. You can read it a lot earlier, right? Because because it is online and it does give you the opportunity that you don't have to have stacks and stacks of magazines around, you know, in order to, to retain that information. You can just go back onto the website uh, for the in the member section and uh, take a look at it. The other thing I, I would mention is that it's very costly for us, for our international members, um, to be mailing hard copy magazines. And so mm-hmm. now we've taken on a new digital approach. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so it's a much better experience uh, for people outside the United States to become members of the American Rose Society. And I think I've seen like brochures on there, too, um, that give you some quick information uh, for how to grow roses and that sort of thing. Yeah, that that is correct. Yep, we've got some special tools out there. Our ten tips, how to grow a beautiful rose garden, are all things that are out there uh, on our bookshelf. The other thing that uh, we haven't done a lot with yet, but in our magazine, we will be um, doing more links. So on the digital version on the bookshelf, you can have like a um, uh, just a, a link to other articles on the same topic, for example. And so that's the next thing that we'll be adding in. So if you're reading, let's say you're a beginner and you're reading an article on how to plant a rose bush, uh, we, of course, have written several articles um, you know, over the years, and we'll put some additional links in there so that it's easy reference and you can go and read more information about planting a rose bush if that's the information you're looking for. And again, these are things that have been written by people in the American Rose Society or researchers and scientists that are qualified in their fields and are going to provide you with really good, accurate information. Oh, there's so many great writers in this organization. When I was newsletter editor uh, for a term, I just couldn't even believe the the uh, list that I had in front of me and what people had written about and what great writers we have and what great information is available. So, so there is a lot for us to tap into for sure. 
Oh, absolutely. And one of the most challenging things, though, is you're right, is those photos are so vibrant, aren't they? It makes me want to buy every single rose in there. And so that is the biggest challenge nowadays, right, is, is where do I find a spot for another rose bush? <laughs> Well, I'm at that stage right now. I don't know where you are in your garden, but uh, I've moved a few things. I have a shrub that didn't make it, not a rose shrub, but another shrub that didn't make it. And I'm thinking, hmm, there's, you know, uh, when you've been in the same garden like I have for over 30 years, it gets pretty tight. Then you start looking at some that you have multiples of and it's like, hmm, just saw this and this is coming out. And so it's always that game of how many can you fit in <laughs> looking for those spots. So yeah, yeah, I don't need any extra help, but the magazine does give me that extra, another extra nudge. <laughs> and especially nowadays that there's so many roses, you know, the breeders are, are, are creating new roses that are disease resistant and they're hardy. They're listening to the public and what their needs are for a rose. And, you know, the American Rose Society has a place in that. We, from a point of, education, uh, as well as visibility for our breeders. And so we do have several opportunities around the year where we invite breeders to some of our programs to talk about, you know, what's new, what are the new things that they're looking to introduce into their roses um, as well. So, yeah, more opportunities to share that information. But it all happens because we're focused on roses. And again, the American Rose Society plays a role in that. Absolutely. And I think this, these are very exciting times for roses. You know, we, we've had 20 years under our belt since the first, um, the knockout rose. And now we have just made great strides on what is beautiful, what is fragrant and what is healthy. So I just, I'm, I applaud those who are working hard to bring us the new roses. It's not an easy thing to do to get a rose to market, but I appreciate their tenacity and their great work because we are really seeing some beauties. We sure are. And uh, Christian Bedard was our speaker in August mm -hmm. for our program. And of course he uh, works with weeks and uh, he told us it takes 10 years to bring uh, a rose to market. And he went through some of the process. It really does take a while. Um, and so it's really fun seeing the new stuff that's coming into play these days. And, and you kind of wonder what the next 10 years will look like. Oh, they're going to be good. They're going to be pretty. They're going to be pretty. You know, I saw um, early in the year when I was looking at trends, and uh, one of the top trends for this year was cottage gardens and roses. And, you know, you can't have a cottage garden without having roses. And I'm, our young people are interested in that, and they're interested in um you know, those beautiful things that their grandmothers grew. So, so it's just like a perfect storm. You know, we, we just have so many people that um, are enjoying these, these wonderful plants. So, so it's a good time to love roses. Yeah. And I think people, um, until you start to get um, maybe some uh, opportunities to hear from others, you don't realize that a rose can have a lot of different forms to it. And mm -hmm. so you, know, you start out with that perfect, form of a rose that we all think of from our first days of, of gardening or, you know, you got a flower sent to you or something. But nowadays, again, there are so many different forms out there and the colors. And I have a, I really do like some of the single roses that are coming out with five to eight petals, um, love sprays. You know, my interest in the roses that I like today are really quite different than uh, when I started growing roses almost 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. it, we we have all evolved and, and, you know, they are just, a, they continue to tempt us with all the new, don't they? <laughs> they do. And uh, one thing I should mention that happened this year as well is that the, the Rose Gardens at Shreveport in our headquarters, uh, we have a rose trial down at Shreveport. And this year we were awarded international status for our rose trial. So we're just thrilled about that. That means we follow a certain protocol, um, as well as other rose trials that are around the world. And I believe there's less than 30 of them. So we're with us, you know, very, you know, small group of gardens that have been awarded this uh, special recognition. Uh, but it's, it's very exciting for us. Uh, we are bringing in new roses from hybridizers outside of the United States. We have 23 roses that will be uh, judged for their final time. 
in 2024. And so it's really kind of fun and exciting to really kick that program off. Oh, it is wonderful. You know, we all win when we put our roses on trial. When, you know, we we know right rose, right place, and regionality is so important. And the only way we can really know that is getting those roses into those different areas and tested um, under different conditions. So we all win when uh, our roses uh, are trialed. And so I think it's it's probably a lot of work, but I am so glad that that um, you have that now at the Rose Garden. So it's a, it's a huge benefit to all of us backyard gardeners. And one of the um, biggest areas that I've seen an interest in this summer, of course, is on growing roses in heat and, mm-hmm. uh, and in drought conditions. So we'll, we are already talking about what we can do about that from a program in 2024. Uh, interesting, of course, in Shreveport, Louisiana, where our headquarters is, and and uh, we have many, many, many roses there. Uh, we have been in 100 plus degrees for about 30 days in a row. So uh, we have some good experience as to roses that grow in, in hot conditions. And it's very interesting um, to, to hear about the roses that are doing well in this in this type of climate and roses that are not. And it's not to say don't grow roses because of that, but be mindful of the climate that you're growing roses in and let's pick roses that are going to work the best in your garden. Uh, That is so true, Diane. I was just in the Elizabeth Park Rose Garden. That was my first trip out to New England. And um, so on my bucket list, of course, was the Rose Garden. And so um, I went there on a day that would literally bake you on spot. It was so hot. You know, I feel like it's not even fair to a rose garden to visit during a season like that <laughs> because, you know, it's like, oh, come see me when I'm, you know, when it's cooler. Yeah. Come see me, you know. <laughs> but honestly, you know, don't do this to me. Don't talk about me today. You know, I'm having a bad hair day. But, uh, yeah. But I walked in and obviously some roses were not performing their greatest and that's okay. But it was amazing to me, the roses that were. So I was just walking around going, oh, my goodness, you know, you've taken this, you're taking this. And I was so proud of those roses that were really just really beating the heat. So, yeah, you do, you know, during those times, we've been hot here, too. And you look out in your garden, okay, I'm taking note, who's blooming today? Because I don't have drip irrigation. I am the drip irrigation. And I'm limited um, in a garden my size on who gets it. And um, I'm telling you, you know, who gets the watering uh, can. But, um, you know, you just, you know, we all need to take note, just look at what is doing well. And we can add that to the story. But I'm so glad for the trials and, and how things are going. And I think a program on heat and drought is needed. <laughs> well, it, it's coming in 2024. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Well, you know, that's covering a couple of years there, Diane. I think you've done quite a bit, but I know there's more coming. So what are you going to do in your spare time next year? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we have um, a project underway to redo our website. This is something that I know has been attempted in um, in Bob Martin's administration before me, and it's just a challenge to do. You know, websites are very complicated. Ours is very complicated. And um, so how do you go about that? And we, I've taken a little bit different approach with this one. We have reached out to all of our stakeholders, which are many of our committee chairs, and asked them to provide the feedback as to what is important for people to, to capture or to be able to access on our website. And what I found basically is our website was really set up as an organizational website to get, you know, this form or to get information about this, but it really wasn't set up for education purposes. So we're doing a major flip in our website. It'll be front and center, education-based, article-based, and then we'll still have a place for all of those organizational things that, you know, that we need to as, as a large organization that has a lot of different activity going on. Um, it is now in the development phase. So we're really excited about that. Um, the, the cost for the development is being covered by the Education Endowment Trust of the American Rose Society. 
Um, so I'm thrilled that the trust was able to do this for us. Um, I think by the end of October, we should be up and running on our new site. It's taken almost a year, but when you think about all of the the work to gather all of the documents and, and the materials to put on our new website, and then to really build an infrastructure that is ever-changing. Uh, so we need to think about that. It wasn't thought of maybe before, but now we know websites change daily. Mm-hmm. Information has to be current, right? And so we're putting all this infrastructure in place that should really help uh, from an education perspective, which is really primary in my focus is to make sure that it meets the needs of the average, you know, grower of roses, the gardener that is looking for information. So I'm really thrilled about that. So that is just wonderful. I actually have chill bumps just thinking about it. You said October, I think, if I heard you correctly. And, um, you know, when we want to do all those complicated things in the background, so it's not complicated when our visitors come. So well done. Well done. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait either. <laughs> and then in addition, to, and I do have volunteers from across our organization that are pulling it together from a technology perspective, which is another, you know, just a, a comment, I guess. Our, our um, staff at the American Rose Society is made up of 15 individuals, five of which work in the garden area. So the staff are they're not really the experts about growing roses. They're experts in their field, be it accounting, be it, you know, creating the magazine, right? And so uh, really we rely on our membership. We rely on volunteers. And that's the other really core tenant in our organization that, um, you know, our members are the American Rose Society and it's our members that really help us to thrive Um, every day in the sharing of information. But here, you know, we have members stepping up to create this new website. We have another initiative underway related to a Rose Forum, which will give people the opportunity to post a question and the opportunity for other people to answer that question. This is a way to grow our visibility. After 131 years, it's hard to believe that people don't know we're there, but a lot of people don't. And this way we can provide quality, quality information to um, anybody asking a question. And of course, anybody member or non-member can ans- ask a question and anybody member or non-member may help in answering that question. But again, built by volunteers, um, a key volunteers from the uh, Rose Hybridizer Association in this case. And um, he has built the forum for us. We're just testing it out now, playing with it, getting the moderators, you know, let them understand their role and play with that as well. Um, But it should be launching about the same time as our new website. So huge uh, initiatives to be completed yet this year. Well, that's going to be wonderful. You know, having up to the minute information, we've talked a little bit about all facets of our world is changing very quickly. And um, I constantly caution people about dates. When you're looking for something, the web is fast and it's so helpful in many ways. But check dates because um, something that we might have said five years ago, maybe we found new information and now that is no longer true. So having something that's up to the minute is just so important, especially in how to care for, um, you know, I'm thinking RRD, you know, Rose Rosette or, or you know, other issues that, that might face a garden, you know, a, a bug or something. And just having up to the minute information is just super valuable. It's an expectation. The new world that we live in, it's the expectation, right? People, I was told this, you know, Diane, it's great you're doing webinars, but a lot of people don't attend webinars anymore. They want the information when they want it, which is why we've started to dip our toes a little bit into the YouTube and other video kinds of things, right? Because if you have, I've even started it now. Oh my gosh, you know, I uh, have a question on something. Well, I just go on to YouTube and search it out, right? So um, our webinars are out on YouTube, but, um, you know, doing a 10, 15 minute quick uh, video that helps a person identify, for example, Rose Rosette. I mean, those are the kinds of things that we want to be able to do more of. 
Excellent. Excellent. So what else is going on? Uh, you know, we're also working on the preservation of the Rambler class in America. This is just a huge initiative, and I can't thank Claude Graves enough for all of his support in, in this effort. But uh, we have um, Ann Belovich's collection, which was about 350 Rambler roses, is now at the American Rose Center. We call it our nursery. We have two nurseries that have been built that um, cuttings have been taken and are being grown in these two nurseries. And um, now we're looking at how do we make sure that these roses are preserved and that they actually just don't go extinct. Um, You know, it's not good enough to have them at the American Rose Center. What if a hurricane goes through or whatever, right? And so we're working on a key initiative with some um, other nurseries, actually, so that we can build an approach of having these ramblers available in retail nurseries around the country, having these ramblers available in some of our botanical gardens across the country, and making sure that we have these roses growing in at least 30 gardens of you know people across the country. It's that 3330 approach that we're working through right now. And uh, we're getting, you know, we're getting uh, pretty good traction on it. Again, we've got the roses growing in the nursery. Uh, ramblers grow rather quickly. I'm just really learning about the rambler class through this whole initiative. But, you know, after like three years, we need to kind of move them out of the garden because out of the nursery, they're getting way too big. And at first we thought, we're going to plant these in the rose center. It'll be beautiful. And it would be beautiful. But it's an awful lot of work to maintain 350 rambler roses on the grounds of the American Rose Center. So we're taking a different approach here now with this 3330 strategy. We've got to come up with a cool name for it. So if you think of one, let us know. Um, but uh, instead of planting all of them in the grounds of the American Rose Center, and we do have plenty there, Again, we're working on this approach so that we get them spread out across the country, different weather conditions, et cetera, so we can make sure that, you know, that they are really preserved for, for the future. But we, we know it's the largest collection of ramblers in the United States, and it's one of the largest collection of ramblers in the world. And uh, it's really great for us to be able to, to work on such an important initiative. Um, it's really exciting. Well, Anne was definitely one of a kind and her collection just was amazing, is amazing. And I personally am a huge fan of the rambling class. There's so much charm and so much grace and anything that just, you know, rambles and drapes and does all of that. And then that bloom cycle in the spring or early summer, there's just nothing like it. I think Every rose lover should find room for at least one rambler. They're full of history, charming. um, And, you know, once you see that spectacular bloom in the late spring, early summer, it's going to change your rose growing experience forever. I call it around here fireworks and fragrance because I have a lot of them and they just go crazy and it's just wonderful. It's that wonderful crazy of, of uh, bloom cycle. And then some of them even repeat bloom very well. Um, not all of them, of course, but even if it's only one, it's worth it. Yeah. And, and here you go again, here's an opportunity to learn more about roses, find a new variety or class of roses that you never even knew about. And all of a sudden it's transferred, you transpose your garden into something else that is again, truly amazing and and beautiful. Um, Even if it's not for the whole summer, right. But they last quite a while and um, yeah. And they're very hardy roses for the most part. Yeah, they are. One of the funny things about our garden is I planted some in areas where we also planted some evergreens. And so the evergreens, I thought for a while, had overtaken them and um, until I was in my neighbor's yard. <laughs> and they have, they, have, they have climbed up these evergreens and draped over their fence, my neighbor's fence. And it is spectacular over there. I mean, I have plenty over here as well, but not those. And so I said, is this okay? And they go, oh, 
we just take credit for it. We love it. You know, it's our borrowed landscape. So they're a young couple and they just love it. And I mean, some of these, I just, I thought they were gone. And, and a couple of years later I saw, Oh, yes, they're just decorating the back of the evergreens. <laughs> well, your, your neighbors are very fortunate. <laughs> I think over there they've got Velschenblau and they've got, um, oh, it's a David Austin Rambler. Uh, its name eludes me right now. But there's several and they're just, it's like, wow. And it looks, I go over there to take pictures of them because they're so pretty. Because, you know, they're banked against that beautiful evergreen foliage. So it just looks fabulous. So anyway, and I've got them growing up trees and everything else. So I know you can find a place for one. I just know you can. Oh, I, I know I've been thinking about it. And I need to talk with Claude to say, which one will grow well in my Wisconsin garden? And I know there are some that are hurtier, right? And mm-hmm. uh, that I have to find that perfect spot for it. <laughs> It'll find its own. It'll follow the sun. And a lot of them do very well in shade. I've got some of mine are in quite a bit of shade. Um, but they'll just scamper up and, and do their thing. And last uh, three or four days ago, I had a little bit of cool in the morning. And so I spent my morning, you know, tacking down some of the long fronds that had come. So, you know, it takes a minute, you know, as many as I have to do all the tacking down and getting them back in their bounds or but you also can just trim them off if they're getting where you don't want them but anyway I'm a big big fan of the Rambler class of roses so I'm so glad you're working on that and it makes me feel so good to know that Anne's wonderful work is going to to live on oh absolutely and uh we're looking to host an event with our Ramblers at the same time next year that we work on that we do our um, international rose trial so that uh, people can come and enjoy both, and uh, I think it'll be a new highlight for the people in the community, you know, to see the the Rambler collection through the year. Oh, I know that is so wonderful. Okay, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, the election process for the American Rose Society since that's coming up. Oh, of course. Uh, so our uh, triennial election it happens every three years. And at the triennial election, we uh, vote for a new vice president for the organization who then in three years becomes the president. And um, our organization is um, divided into 18 districts around the country, primarily by states. And each district also has that opportunity to elect a district director at that time. And those district directors sit on the board of the American Rose Society, as well as their, you know, I'll call it their day-to-day role um, in leading their 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 district. So that is um, underway. It's just kicking off at this point. We're just starting to get some communication out to all of our members in the local Rose Societies. If they are perchance interested in such an opportunity to lead, um, that would be great. And um, nominations are accepted through January of 24, and the actual election, which is um, is digital, uh, will take place in the month of June. A bit of a change. It's the first time, I think, in many, many, many years. But we, our election has been, we reduced the time frame for the election. It used to be two months long. But, of course, everything's digital these days, and it's managed by an outside firm, and we're doing it for the month of June. So, the end of June, early July, we'll be able to announce the um, new board of directors. Many people will stay on, of course, if they haven't, uh, if they're not up against a term limit. And our, our new vice president uh, for the organization. And then those roles change next September of 24. Uh, we have a national convention planned, and in Rhode Island. And uh, at that point in time, um, the new board will um, take on their roles uh, for the next three years. Wonderful. Good to know how all that's going to go since things are just a teeny bit different. So great news. Thanks for updating us on that. So now in our last minutes, we want to talk about your beautiful garden. And how's the season been for you? Well, my garden has been wonderful this year. Uh, I think we mentioned I live in Wisconsin. uh, So I'm right in the Midwest. I haven't had the drought conditions so much. We've had some of that, but we have the Great Lakes to benefit us a little bit there. Um, Haven't had excessive heat a few days here and there, but it's summer, you know. Um, So uh, great growing conditions for my garden. 
The challenge for me, frankly, is just having the time to work in it these days. I've got so much going on at the American Rose uh, Society. Uh, I took uh, some advice from one of our members who said, Diane, the way to do this is you simply, you know, make sure you take care of your soil in the spring, add some really good compost uh, to your soil, um, you know, give it some nitrogen every three weeks or so and let it go. And that's what I did. And I've never had such healthy looking plants. So I've gotten away from all these different fertilizing regimes I used to do. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just, you know, just amazed at how beautiful my garden has been looking. So it's just very um, satisfying for me to be able to walk out in that garden. I have over 225 plants um, just to enjoy it uh, and not have to spend as much time working in it these days. Um, and I also, I was very good. I only planted eight rose bushes this spring. So that was a, a first for me in a long time. <laughs> but I know that that will change, uh, you know. So, uh, but yeah, the garden has just been just lovely. Just lovely. Well, it is working because you did a video on Facebook recently and it just looks fantastic. I was just like, whoa. So thanks for doing the video. It was nice to get to see. So, um what have been some standouts, you know, like when you look out in your garden, what are some of the roses that are standouts this year? Oh, you know, that's really a tough subject. But one that I always have to say is South Africa. Uh, it is a grandiflora. It's this golden yellow kind of color. It has these huge sprays of blooms all summer long. Um, and they're just so remarkable. I just can't get over it. I mean, it's just very striking in my garden. So over the years, it has become just a favorite plant of mine. Um, there's a lot of others. I planted high wire flyer this year. It's a climber. Uh, I saw it down growing in uh, the gardens at Shreveport in our, in our international trial. Uh, this was um, hybridized by Will Rattler. Many people know Will because he hybridized the rose knockout. Um, and it grows well in Shreveport. No disease on it. It's been going through the heat really, really well. And it looks stunning the first year in my garden. So I think that's one that um, I'm going to enjoy for a long, long time. Um, mango blush, trying to get different variety, different types of roses. Mango blush. Uh, it's like an orange pink blend. It's a miniature mini flora type of rose, um, huge blooms again this summer, no fertilizing to speak of, uh, but really, really pretty color and, um, and it's fragrant too. And I grow a lot of David Austin's and they're just beautiful in the garden. I always add a few David Austin shrub roses every year. I do like that old fashioned form with the repeat bloom cycles um, and again, they're pretty hardy and disease resistant. Wonderful. Those are some good choices. I, I remember at Elizabeth Park that um, high, is it high, high wire? Flyer. High wire flyer. That one was doing very well there <clears throat> in very hot conditions. And one of the roses that I added a second one to this year was because of um, the display of bliss, the bliss rose at Shreveport when we were there for the convention. Okay. That rose was so outstanding there. And I already had one, but it was a new one that I thought I'm going to get another one because <laughs> I, I want that. I want, it, it was outstanding and it's doing very well. And it's gotten super big um, for me um, now and it's loaded with blooms. So I think it's going to, it's going to end well too. So that was bliss that I saw down there. So, you know, uh, that trip to Shreveport, you know, was great on so many levels, but getting to see all the roses was fantastic. You know, the other rose that I know you and I've talked about is the rose quietness, uh, beautiful shrub rose, light pink, you know, very fragrant, right? My shrub rose this year is it's over five feet tall, um, full of blooms all summer long. Uh, totally winter hardy, always comes back. Yeah. And I don't winter protect my roses either in the winter. So um, just put on another outstanding performance this year. 
Oh, mine too. Uh, In fact, I'm looking at some that I put in a vase this morning. They were just outstanding. It's just, it really is so well named. It's just an unassuming rose in your garden. And then boom, all these beautiful, very fragrant blooms. Someone contacted me on Instagram recently and said, I'm growing quietness. I now have two just because you talk about it so much. And I I guess I do go on and on and on about it, but it is just that good. It's, I think, um, I think everyone should sell it so that it gets into more gardens, but it's a David Buck rose and, um, and Dr. Buck, he's sure, you know, he sure gave us a good one with that one. A lot of his roses are good, but that quietness, it's hard to beat that rose. It sure is. Well, Diane, thanks so much for joining me today. And thanks so much for working so hard for our organization that we love so much. We sure appreciate all that you do and how you lead us well. Well, thank you, Teresa. And it's just been my pleasure to spend some time with you today, just sharing what's happening at the American Rose Society, what's coming. Uh, I would just encourage people to grow roses and grow more roses, right? And, um, you know, you're going to add just so much beauty to your garden. And I'm sure that you'll enjoy this hobby as just as much as I am and you are and, you know, other other gardeners and rose members are. Um, roses are hardier than ever. They're more disease resistant than ever. They're just not they're not hard to grow these days. And um, of course, if you have questions, the American Rose Society is there to help answer them. Absolutely. The world of roses certainly has much to be excited about. And friends, we're so glad you joined today, too. And remember, if you want more information on the ARS or you'd like to become a member, all you have to do is hop over to rose.org. Isn't that great? Rose.org. They've made it easy. And until next time, do take time to stop and smell the roses. You've been listening to the Rose Chat Podcast with Chris Van Cleve and Teresa Byington, expert rose gardeners who want to help you achieve the rose garden of your dreams. Don't miss an episode. Listen anytime on our website at rosechatpodcast.com or listen on the go via the Rose Chat app on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Share this podcast with your social networks and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag rosechat. Join us next time for another edition of the Rose Chat Podcast. The Rose Chat Podcast is a production of the Rose Chat Media Group, Birmingham, Alabama.